This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, here's what's happening at Right From The Deep. First, thanks to our wonderful patrons on Patreon. You guys help make this show possible. We appreciate your willingness to support the show by helping to pay for hosting and our time. It takes quite a bit of time and money to do this, and so you help in great ways. Yes, you do. To see how you can help support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash right from the deep. And thank you so much to our February sponsor of the month, Bobby Updegraff. Yay, Bobby, and thank you. And you can find out more about another important cause that she sponsors at friendsofrenacer.com. It's F-R-I-E-N-D-S-O-F. R-E-N-A-C-E-R.com. I love um, this ministry. It was fun to read about it and learn about it. It's for orphaned children in Honduras, and they're doing great things there. Another thanks for our sponsorship from the Novel Marketing Podcast with host Thomas Umstadt Jr. That's the longest-running book marketing podcast in the world. We know and trust Thomas, and his podcast is so full of great information and advice, like Novel Marketing's Ten Commandments of Book Marketing, which we've been bringing you. Yes, we have. And this week we're talking about commandment number 10. Thou shalt not be false to thine own brand. And what Thomas means by this, and I'm quoting from his article, it says, be true to who you are as an author. Your brand is not a photo, logo, genre, or collection of fonts. It is the story you tell about yourself. More importantly, it is the story others tell about you. Your brand is what readers expect of you. It's your promise to them. Readers who read your first book and love it want to buy your next book because they expect it will be like the first book. And they already know they like it. Now they want the same experience from you over and over. Commandment number 10 ensures you give it to them. Right. So think carefully about the type of book you want to publish before you ever publish anything and make sure that you're willing to stay true to that brand. So for more book promotion and platform help, listen to Novel Marketing in your favorite podcast app or at novelmarketing.com. And this week, it is my turn to share a wonder with you. And, you know, I think our bodies are a wonder. The way God made them, the way He put us together, and especially, I'm thinking about this, the way He brings healing to us. I came down with COVID over Christmas time, and it wasn't fun, um, but I healed. And I'm thankful that I recovered from that and that our bodies can do that. And even now I'm thinking about like a year and a half ago when um, I injured my finger, I was I was cutting some things with a utility knife and actually sliced off part of the side of my finger. But guys, it healed. <laughs> and to me, that's a miracle. Like I have skin again. It, it still tingles a little. It still hurts a little. But man, I just... I'm amazed at this marvelous machine of a biological organ, organism that God made. It's just, it's a wonder to me. And now, here's, here's the, the show. show. 
Welcome, friends. It's time to go into the deep again, and we are so looking forward to our conversation today with guest Chase Replicable. Chase, did I say that right? Close enough. So yep, that qualifies. <laughs> I stumble over A great that author one. name, right? <laughs> We're so, delighted to have you here, Chase. Yeah, and I get to introduce him. Yay. And now that we all know how to pronounce his last name, we're good. <laughs> Chase Replegal is the founding pastor of Bent Oak Church. He holds a degree in biblical studies and an MA in New Testament. He hosts the weekly Pastor Writer podcast, which you can find at pastorwriter.com. And I'll put a link in the show notes for you guys. And on the podcast, he interviews pastors and authors on writing, reading, and the Christian life. And I got to tell you, I'm a fan of the podcast. I learn about new books to add to my ever-growing and growing reading list, <laughs> but that's just the way it is, right? Um, but the podcast and the website, they also chronicle Chase's ongoing writing projects. And that's one of the things we're going to be talking to him about today, because his first book, The Five Masculine Instincts, comes out in March of this year, and we're super excited for him. And that's actually just in a couple of weeks, if you're hearing this, when this first airs. And again, I'll have a link in the show notes for you. Chase is a native of the Ozark Woods. He enjoys being outdoors with his wife and two kids. They sail. And Chase says he likes playing the mandolin, and he says badly. <laughs> and quail hunting with his bird dog, Millie. Chase, it is great to have you here with us today. Welcome. Yeah, well, thank you so much. I uh, love listening to your guys' show as well. And so okay. it's uh, good to be amongst friends. Yeah, it, it is indeed. So, well, Chase, we definitely want to ask you first and foremost, what does the deep mean to you? Yeah, I love this is your guys' tradition. And uh, uh, so I knew it was coming. So I thought a little <laughs> bit as well. So it, um, for me, so much can bog down into strategy. What do you do if this happens? How do you approach this? How do you write that query letter? How do you write that proposal? How do you get that agent? What do you do in this situation? You know, you're probably even thinking, what would I do if my contract got canceled? But I think this deep work that we're doing means you have to do that stuff. You have to learn that stuff. But there should be something motivating you at a deeper level that sustains you through all of that. And don't ever allow yourself to turn it into just strategy, just tactics. Really fight to keep hold of that thing in you that is, for me, the faithfulness to what I believe God has called me to. Hold on to that even when you have to do the tactic conversations, the strategy conversations. Remember the reason why you're doing it. And I think if you hold on to that, that's the kind of the deep work, the deep writing that I really want to do and that I want to be true. Cool. Love it. Chase, I, I want people to hear about your experience getting a contract and uh, what happened to that contract. Let's just start there. Uh, you know, it's funny. There's all these sort of steps, as you know, in the publishing process. You know, you have to be able to put together a proposal and find an agent. And then uh, usually they help with that proposal and start pitching. And we, um, for me, that process started pretty quickly. I was lucky enough to to find a great agent pretty quickly and, and cross that off the list and moved on to the next <laughs> step. And like so many writers, we had some waiting and lots of hard conversations about platform and, and uh, trying to continue to grow that. But with time, we sort of made it over that hurdle. And I was thrilled. I um, signed a contract with Zondervan, uh, with the acquisitions editor Mick, uh, Mick Silva, who had kind of I had gotten to know through my writing oh, in the podcast, yeah. and it was just kind of a dream. Yeah, I loved working with Mick, and so it was just kind of the best that I could imagine. We signed the contract, and uh, in 
talking with Zondervan, we had sort of updated the proposal and they kind of pitched another concept. And so I reworked, you know, the idea and it was going to mean sort of going back and writing the manuscript again, sort of changing some sections. But I was actually really excited about that. I felt like the collaboration with them was really good. And so I set out to work on a new manuscript and uh, I got about two thirds of the way into that process. I had uh, about uh, eight to 10 months to finish that manuscript and got about two thirds of the way into it. And uh, I remember very clearly it was the middle of summer and uh, the middle of the pandemic, the first year, and we were home during that season. And I got a phone call from my agent, which was kind of unusual. Normally we correspond by email. And she said, I've got some bad news for you, but I just received a, a very short email from the legal department at Zondervan that basically said due to COVID and a reprioritizing of their projects, they were terminating the contract that, uh, that we had signed and that I was well underway writing. So it was <laughs> unexpected. Well, tell us about your reaction. That's the worst thing for any writer to, to have to get. And I'm interested in your first reaction because how I learned that that happened to you was I heard you announce it on your podcast when that happened. And I specifically remember I was painting windows. You know, I remember what I was doing and I remember thinking, that is just the best explanation, the most kind, humble explanation. But I, w- I want to know if that was your first reaction. I'm thinking maybe not, but maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I remember having two very. <laughs> let's see if let's see if I match up to what I said then. I uh, I had two very distinct feelings I remember very early. And the number one was sort of, which is, sounds a little immature, but it was like, this figures. This seems to be how it goes, right? <laughs> like anybody who's tried to go down the publishing road knows it is it is so confusing and at times so overwhelming and things never go how you expect. And it just sort of felt like, well, okay, here we are. This is it. But I also had a very distinct feeling, I have to keep writing. I just knew intuitively I'm two thirds of the way through this manuscript. If I keep, if I stop now, like I, I don't know what that would mean. Like I don't know if I had it in me to sort of stir that all back up again. And so I, I remember even telling my agent on the phone, "We're going to work on what comes next, but I'm kind of going to pretend this didn't happen, and I'm just going to keep working on what I've been working on." <laughs> wow, I I think that's super interesting. So you actually then completed that book, even though the contract went away. Yeah, I did. I was two thirds of the way into it. I kind of knew where it was going. I had a plan on how I was going to get there. And it just felt like to lose the contract was a blow, but to lose the contract and stop writing felt like something I, d- I don't know how I would have put it back together. I felt like I had. The, and this is a little bit of a lesson with, with the whole process of publishing is one of the things I just continually keep learning is there's so little of the process you actually can control. And at the end right. of the day, the writing is one of the only things. And so I just sort of held on to that as the thing that I could do is how do I keep making this manuscript better? How do I just keep at the actual work in front of me? We've talked with um, on our podcast quite often about the fact that writing isn't about getting published. Writing is about obedience. Mm -hmm. If God has really um, given you this task to perform, the important thing is being obedient to that task and then leaving the details up to him. So um, I love that you are um, connected with the agent that you have. She's a great agent. And I love that it happened fairly early and easily for you. It was a good start. And it, it gave you a confirmation that this is where God wanted you. But then to follow up on that and be obedient and continue the writing, that's that's exactly what we need to do when things seem to just implode. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's also important to remember, you know, we were in the middle of uh, of the first year of the pandemic. And as a pastor, like it was already a very complicated time trying to lead a congregation and seeing right. people with very different views. And in some ways, in some ways that season also I felt very strongly there's a lot changing for a lot of people in the world. Yeah. And this is not as big as what it could be. It felt very big because it had been something I had spent so many years working toward. But it was a season where so many of us were having plans changed and expectations <laughs> dashed and, and learning to do things in new ways. And so it just yeah. felt like, okay, this is this is a part of that. I love that too, because that first it, that whole first time, the whole first few months and year of the pandemic was such a season of loss for everybody. And you dealt with that loss by not really losing. You know, I I love, I really respect that, that you just went and kept writing that book, almost like therapy even too, you know, that this is who you are. You're going to be a writer and you're going to finish it and not like throw it across the room in frustration. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that. So then tell us what happened next. Yeah. So as we, um, as I continued to write, we had a conversation with the agent. It was not a good time to pitch. I mean, right. part of, you know, we later found out that there was more going on um, at the publisher. They were changing um, some acquisition strategies and changing some parts of the leadership team. And my contract was one of actually several that kind of got caught up in that. And a lot of publishers were still uncertain about what sales would look like and and how they should approach acquisition during the pandemic. And so it was just not a good time. So um, I think, you know, the episode you alluded to, I put out on the podcast just sort of saying where I was because I'd been updating people along the way. And um, we actually had a couple of publishers reach out to us through that process that had heard the episode and you know, I connected with before on the podcast. And um, it started a couple of conversations. Those took a little bit of time. But we ended up signing a contract with Moody, uh, Moody Publishers. Uh, and that brought us up to... And luckily, they 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 felt good about the the concept and where the direction was. And so uh, it it sort of got me back into it and set the trajectory for the book being released now March 1st. Wow. So did you end up having to make a lot of more changes then after Moody or was it just, you know, kind of the basic editing stuff? I did some. Um, you know, I uh, originally there were a couple chapters at the beginning of the book that, to be honest, I probably would have ended up cutting even in the previous uh, contract. We just sort of, you know, as in the writing process, the idea sort of condenses and tightens, and sometimes you write just to figure out what you think about something, and then it can get cut. And so um, yeah. there were some some chapters that got removed, but for the most part, um, Moody seemed really on board with the concept and have been great to work with. Wow, that's that's cool, and just. In case our listeners are interested in the actual book, um, tell us just a little bit about how what the first book was and then what it turned into. Sure. You know? Yeah, I, uh, the first book was based on the story of Samson. And uh -huh. I saw a lot of parallels in the life of Samson and, and myself as a young man, but a lot of the young men I was pastoring in that there can be a kind of restlessness for adventure. The cultural narrative right now is often to know who you are, to find your identity, you need to leave home and traditions and go find yourself in this sort of adventurous quest. And uh, I saw the way that was really weakening commitment in a lot of the men's lives that I knew. And so I worked on a whole book just based on Samson. And uh, when Zondervan and I first began talking, they, uh, from a 
from a publishing perspective, wanted to see if we could expand the readership beyond just sort of millennial men to men in general. Hmm. And so they had said, well, is there a way to cover multiple biblical characters? Uh, a sort of like, which man type are you? Which yeah, at first I didn't quite resonate with. And, uh, <laughs> spent some time thinking. So let me, let me pray about that, right? And uh, I actually stumbled across Shakespeare's Stages of a Man. It's from that monologue, hmm. All the World's a Stage, mm-hmm. each of us players, uh, and a man in his day plays several parts. And Shakespeare wow. goes through these stages. And I, I immediately recognized, oh, Samson is like this particular stage Shakespeare is describing. And it gave me a framework for then recognizing you can see these other stages at work in biblical men as well. And so that turned into the five masculine instincts that look at five biblical men across these stages that Shakespeare identified. That's very cool. (laughs) What I love is that transformative process. You know, how, how we as writers need to hold those ideas, yes, but we have to hold them loosely and be open to suggestions and changes and things that could push the book, maybe not where we first thought, but push it into something that can be um, better or can match, you know, where's the audience for that publisher? Because they know their audience and they have a publisher. You know, it's not like you're selling out. It's that you are pushing to see where this book can go to better meet needs of more people. So I like it. I had a lot of people recommend I uh, self-publish after the contract fell apart. And I thought about that for a little bit too. We actually talked, um, my agent and I, you know, is this season, maybe that's the right next step. And um, for me, the reason I've always wanted to go down the traditional route was I just wanted to work with the best team that I possibly could. And to your point, I really value, it doesn't mean you shouldn't have some core conviction you're trying to hold on to through the process. I mean, even as I sort of alluded to, part of that idea was was not exactly resonating with me. Right. But I also respect them enough to know they bring a certain expertise that I should be listening to. So is there a way to sort of to to take all of that expertise and to sort of see if I can work that conviction, that thing I'm trying to do in the context of what they're bringing to the table? Um, for me, that's the real benefit of 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 working with a publisher. And you can do that with self-publishing. But how do I build the best team around this book that I can? It's interesting as I listen to the whole process that you went through. Um, it reminds me of Psalm 62, verses 1 and 2. I'm at rest in God alone. My salvation comes from Him. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my stronghold. I will never be shaken. And quite a few translations say, I will never be disappointed. Hmm. And when you have your focus on God and when you've submitted what you're writing to God and you trust that whatever is coming your way is coming through His hands, and by his will, you can never be shaken. You can never be disappointed. I mean, we'll have emotions. There's no way of stopping those emotions. We're in God's image and he has emotions, but we can put our trust in God, not in a publisher, not even in an agent, not in other people, but put your trust in God and you will never be disappointed because you can know solid, cold is the foundation that he is doing what is best, not just for your writing, but for you. Yeah, I think that's well put. Yeah. I'm wondering, Chase, if now, given where you are now, you know, the eve of your book releasing, is there anything that maybe you would have done differently if you could have? Or like what you would tell, you know, a future you could go back to old you and tell you something. Is there something you wish you knew or did differently or anything like that? I'm just curious. 
I sort of alluded earlier to, um, I was thinking of the process as sort of boxes you check and then you move on to the next one. Right. Uh, and I think, you know, I had in my mind like, okay, I'm going to do this next step the best possible and then I'm done. I'll move on. And I saw it very literally. And I, I now recognize it's more complicated than that. Um, <laughs> and to your point also, maybe you're not supposed to rush through some of those steps just as quickly right. as you can to get to the next. Maybe there is something of the messiness or the complexity or just the passing of time itself that can actually make the work richer yeah, than right. it would if you just sort of rushed through the process. So um, it's easy to say retrospectively, but I would have told myself, just keep focusing on the right work because there's all there's so much work that can be done. But what is the actual work in front of me right now I'm supposed to be doing? The thing I actually can do. Stay focused on that. Yeah, I love that. Uh, one of the things I also wanted to ask you about was um, your podcast that you're doing. Um, I'm thinking that you started it in general because, as we all know, writers need platforms. So I'm thinking that was the kind of the reasoning behind starting it. But I was going to ask you, how does it now help your career? And you've already given point excellent. Hey, that, those editors heard about my situation and they got back in touch with me, but I'm sure there's other things involved in why you chose to podcast and how that's that's influenced your career. Yeah, there were, initially, this is, uh, it's a really interesting question because initially there were the things, right, which for me were, you're exactly right, I wanted to find a way to build platform that didn't I'm a small church pastor. I'm, you know, I'm a Midwest guy. There's nothing, there's no celebrity. There's no like, uh, so how do I build a platform that doesn't feel like it's me just promoting myself? Well, this, I love this sort of thing. Just having conversations felt very natural to me. Um, the other part was just sort of trying to hack my way into professional relationships because yeah. when I started, I didn't know a single published author. I didn't know a single literary agent. I didn't know a single <laughs> editor working at a publisher. I mean, literally no one. Uh, my dad's a cop, that sort of thing. Like I didn't grow up in that circle. So, um, so it was, how do I just hack my way into these relationships? But now looking back, if I was going to say the, the biggest thing, the podcast, because it's kind of evolved now to, I don't just talk about writing. We talk about books in general. Um, I've come to realize how valuable relationships are. Mm -hmm. And to your point, like editors heard about the the opportunity through my podcast, but really it was because... I had tried to build lots of relationships with editors and just get to even before I was pitching, just have them on, talk to them, figure out what their what their publisher is looking for and what they're doing. And, the, and many of them are writers themselves, so just talking about writing. How do I just build relationships? And over and over and over, everything that has happened for good has been because of relationships, not just because I lucked into it or happened to really impress someone. It's usually existed because I've taken the time to try to get to know people. Yeah. Yeah, that's wonderful. I, I love how, I mean, we sort of think we're networking, but then we realize the real gold is the actual relationships that we build. It's just, it's some of the best, best uh, experiences to get to know writers and editors and publishers. It's just, it's just one of my favorite things. Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. Sure. It's amazing to me because some of my best friends are the people that I have met and have known for years in publishing. And yeah, it started out just as a work relationship, but it goes so far beyond that, not just because we share a love of writing and publishing, but we share a love of the Lord and we're able to come together in that and to support each other and pray each other. I mean, Aaron and I are a prime example. We yes. met at a writer's conference and and I signed her as a client when I was an agent but it, you know 
it, it's gone so far beyond that. One of the first people I want to contact if something happens in my life is Aaron. Not because yeah. I was her agent and she's an author, but because we share that love of the Lord and he's he's built in us a love for each other. So yeah. those are the gifts that are tucked away in the hard work of writing. And I think God is just so kind to do that for us. I feel that even in conversations like this one, we write in very different <laughs> genres. And right. uh, maybe we would, I don't know, maybe our lives wouldn't have crossed paths outside of this writing. But the truth is, writing is really hard and publishing <laughs> is really hard. And so when you find other people like this conversation that are struggling their way through it, there is a camaraderie in the midst of that suffering That's right. that I think forms pretty quickly and you need it. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So have any from all of this conversation and all of the experiences that you have, do you have any final words of encouragement for our listeners? Yeah, I, um, for me, it would just be, and I know this sounds like such a cliche and, and glib answer, but I think you have to, it sounds silly, I think you have to enjoy the process. And I know that it is so frustrating and so painful, but celebrate when you have even little wins like just no going into it this is you should be thinking in decade not not months and just give yourself patience and time to see where it goes and just enjoy that you're doing it and i know that trust me i know that it's easy for me to lose that but that's the thing when i know i'm doing it at my best it's just god's doing something here i get to be a participant in it and see where it goes and i'm just going to enjoy every step of it yeah Yes. Enjoy the journey. And the detours are the journey. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, thanks again, Chase, for being with us. We really appreciate it and appreciate you sharing from your experiences. And here's hoping God blesses the launch of that book with just massive amounts of sales. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Thank you very much. You guys are the best. I really enjoyed it. And thanks for the opportunity. Thanks, Chase. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at writefromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast, so please share it with them. So until next time, embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm-hmm.